0: You're going to kill me. Uh, You're going to kill me with the accent. I am a sucker for the uh, British accent. Absolute sucker.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, I guess so. So it's an honor, first of all, to meet you. I mean, you are such a pioneer. Um, So I'm a bit nervous. However, (laughs) I'm like, oh, my God. How
0: can you you be nervous talking to a a 61-year-old man dressed like this? How can you possibly be nervous?
1: Um. I think because of your career, like the things that you managed to accomplish, it's not like you know you're 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 at an early adapter. Like we're just getting into, we're not getting interested now, but you were like in the forefront, like the early adapter stage. So I think uh, I think that has a lot to do with my nervousness. However, we're gonna. I have so much to ask you today. I have so many people that have sent me questions you are loved by many people all over the world
0: and probably hated uh, by twice as uh, much more
1: yeah i <laughs> i don't know about that but <laughs> so okay um i guess we can get straight into it where where are you actually from
0: i am from born and raised uh on long island new york and i lived i lived on long island until I had to move to Connecticut to go work for the WWE. So I I pretty much, you know, lived on Long Island. I I think I started working with the WWE when I was about, oh my gosh, it was about 90, 95. So I was like 34. And that's when I moved to Connecticut.
1: Are you a fan of Rakeem? He's he's from Long Island, right? Rakeem? Yeah.
0: Who's Rakeem?
1: He's a rapper. He's like one of the 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 goats in rap.
0: Didn't I just tell you I'm a 61 year old?
1: He's uh, he's in his fifties, I think. Old. Now he, I don't, he's I, I, like...
0: I'm not. I'm not familiar with Rakim.
1: Oh my god!
0: <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: No, no. Okay, no worries. So, how did you actually discover wrestling?
0: I, you know, you know, like everybody else, I, uh, you know, the first time I saw it, you know, it's funny, man. I, I must have saw it the first time when I was maybe. Like 12 years old. And uh, I'll never forget, man, I was, you know, just kind of flipping through the stations. Back then, people don't know you only had a couple television stations. And I'll never forget, man, I came across, and this is like way before your time, but I came across an interview with uh, Captain Lou Albano and the Valiant Brothers. And as soon as I saw this, like I knew immediately what it was i i I knew this was entertainment um i got it like i got it immediately uh you know i fell in love with the characters i fell in love with the stories but you know like one thing that i I, you know is, is hard for people to understand was i i was never a wrestling mark You know, there were a lot of things that I really liked. You know, I I love baseball. I love music. You know, wrestling was one of those things that I really liked. I liked the entertainment aspect, but I never at any point was obsessed with it. Because I I really think today, like, there are a lot of people that are really obsessed with it. And I, I think when you're obsessed with anything, like it's dangerous, I, I, just, I think there's a huge difference between being a fan and being obsessed. Mm-hmm. I was a fan of the wrestling business. I was never obsessed by it.
1: Okay. So what did you want to do as a child? Well, you know, it's, it's funny,
0: man. Cause I can go all the way back to like, when I was in the sixth grade and I remember like, uh, we had a, you know, write a story. And I remember, like, writing a story about this this space space, space creature that, that landed here on Earth. This is way before E.T. Like, there was okay. no you know, way before E.T. I must have been about twelve years old, and I wrote this story. And I remember, like, my teacher really, really put it over. And like, at twelve years old, my teacher said, "Man, you should really, you know, be a writer." and man that 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 really, really meant a lot to me at the time, and really man from from that age, that young on i I really wanted to write i I really didn't know like in what aspect I wanted to write, you know um you know what what forum I wanted to write but, but I knew I wanted to be a writer, so you know I mean, I went to school and I got a journalism degree, and I was editor of my student newspaper and all that stuff. And uh, that's how I became on the road to become a writer.
1: Do you believe in E.T.?
0: Yeah, I do. I think I do. Yes. Yes. Do you?
1: I've done a few events with uh, Richard Dolan and those guys uh, who are like big UFOlogists and they cover ET, they believe they're, you know, with conviction that there is life outside. So you saying that, it's like I just did an event with them last week. So I thought, wow, oh my God, you know, why didn't you go into writing about extraterrestrials and UFOs um, if that was where you started?
0: Uh, that that's a good question, man. I just kind of like, I believe, I I don't know about you, but like, I really believe everything happens for a reason. Like I really believe that. So I really believe that, you know, my, my path was just going to kind of work itself out. And and I really believe that's what happened. Like I had, see, this is so hard for people to understand, you know, like I said, I was a wrestling fan. I never at any point had any dream of ever working in the wrestling business. That that, that wasn't on my radar. I wasn't even thinking about that. That just kind of happened. And that's what I wound up, you know, pretty much doing for a living. But it was never really this dream that I pursued. I think it was just really nature taking its course, you know?
1: So when you were studying journalist, uh, journalism, sorry, did you see yourself working for a newspaper covering news? Yeah, that, like that. that's
0: a good question, bro, because the one thing I knew, I, I guess I should call you bro S, bro S.
1: No, no the it's one, right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> The one thing I knew was I didn't want to write every day. That that I didn't want to have like deadlines and every day, you know, that I didn't want to do because I think I was really like more creative and I didn't want to be, you know, strict and covering news and factual. And so like early on, I kind of, you know, realized that I didn't want to do.
1: So what was your first job as a journalist? When you got graduated?
0: Well it was it, it, it was probably freelancing for the WWE magazine that that's kind of how it, it all started. I was writing like maybe one or two stories every month for the WWE magazine, probably like 93, 94 around that time.
1: Um, did you ever want to work? You mentioned, and I know you're a huge fan of baseball too, like yeah. work in, as a writer for baseball.
0: That, see, that would have been the dream. The, <laughs> that would have been the dream. If I could have worked in baseball like that, that would have been the dream. So I, I would I would have loved to pursue that. See, I, I think the problem is part, part of the reason why I took the path I did was I got married at 22. So like I got married fairly young. So, you know, at that point when, you know, there was another person depending on me, you know, my my wife, at that point, you can't seek exactly what you want to do because now there's somebody else involved. Like, I'll be honest with you, if I would have never gotten married at 22, I know I would have moved to L.A. I would have set myself right smack in the middle of Hollywood. And I would have been in that industry, whether it was TV or movies, that's what I would have done. But because I made the commitment to my wife and I got married at an early age, you know, it wasn't just about me anymore. So, so I had to alter my plans. But yeah, if I could have worked in Hollywood or in, you know, baseball, that would have been my dream job.
1: How did you transition from freelancing for the 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 magazine to actually working in house as a writer?
0: Yeah, the the editor got fired, man. You know, much mu- much to my surprise, the uh, the editor of the magazine got fired, and he literally called me. He was he was an older guy by the name of Ed Rashudy, and he told me, and he said to me, he goes he goes, Vince, I would apply for the job if I were you. And I did, you know, I, I applied for the job, uh, they brought me in there, they interviewed me, the publisher interviewed me. Uh, and, and that's how I got the job as editor. And that's how I got, you know, in Titan Tower.
1: <laughs> Was there a lot of pressure working for that organization?
0: There wasn't really pressure in that role, because nobody really paid attention to the magazine.
1: Okay. So there
0: there really wasn't any pressure. You know, the, the magazine was not important to Vince McMahon. So uh, as a matter of fact, you know, Linda ran the magazine and Linda McMahon was actually my boss early on. Um, th- there really was no pressure because the magazine was it was it was always television with the WWE. It was always about television. So the magazine was really not important.
1: So you grew up watching wrestling and then you're working in this industry, and you get to like rub shoulders with them. How was that like as as you're the first time obviously over time you become friends with these people, you're familiar with them, but like when you first got into you know the door what what was that like?
0: It's really weird, um and I'll <laughs> tell you why because you know, like I said, man, when I got hired, I was you know in my early thirties Mhm, so I had already had. A number of jobs, you know. I, I I worked for CBS. I worked for the CBS publishing division. I also own my own businesses. So you know, at the age of thirty two ish, you know, I I had a sense of the world. What was really weird was when I started working in that industry. It was like bizarro world. It it, it was like I I entered this bubble where like the the rules of life did not apply uh people thought differently acted differently spoke differently it's really like there was this fictional world called wrestling and all these people lived in it i you know i've since referred to it as the wrestling bubble but it really does exist that there's this wrestling bubble and the people inside of it are so consumed with this business and this lifestyle that like the, the real rules of the world, like do not apply. And, and, and I realized that early on and I could see that early on and man it was just very 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 bizarre but it still exists to this day.
1: How did you manage your belief system being in that world and not being able to sorry not getting sucked into the same mentality?
0: That that that's a great question and I got to tell you two reasons I'll be honest with you and, and and when I when I give you the first one I'm not I, I'm not saying this to be conceited or stuck up or anything like that. When I came into this world and these people were so consumed by this world 24 seven, and I had lived in the outside world. I I, I just kind of felt like, I, I hate to say this because it sounds so pompous and and ignorant. I really felt like I was so much smarter than everybody else. But when I talk about smart, I'm talking about in the ways of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, I I had worked for CBS. I had worked my own business. I had dealt with customers. Uh, You know, when, when my businesses went out of business, I was selling appliances. So, you know, I had a good experience in the real world. So when I stepped into this bubble, I just I felt like I was a lot smarter than everybody else when it came to reality. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, quite frankly, you know, number two, it was just a job for me. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was not a dream. It was not an obsession. And number three, you know, I also was raising a young family at the time. And you know, my, my family was way more important to me. Than this job, and and you you got to understand, like inside this bubble, everyone that is in it, that's the most important thing. Like whether you know if you have a family, if you've got a wife, nothing else matters. This comes first, mm-hmm. and you know I like I said, man, I wasn't from that world. I was never going to be a part of this world to this day. I don't live in that world, and I think that's where I get a lot of the uh, the the hatred because I'm not a part of that world. I'm, I'm I'm still a very very grounded normal person on the outside looking in. But uh, yeah, man, I just you know it was just the job, man, and I, I just wanted to do the best job I possibly could. That that's all I cared about. I had a wife. We were starting a young family. I never got consumed with the world.
1: Do you think because you were married and you had a child um is the reason why you stayed grounded and not got involved in like the party side? of wrestling because cocaine and other drugs have been highly normalized in wrestling. Like everyone does it. It's like drinking water. Yeah. It's nothing. It don't matter. Like, it's just like drinking water. It's not like a big deal. And because you had responsibilities, you didn't get so consumed with like work and party and work and party. You go from the ring to sniffing lines to back in the ring. And it's a lifestyle.
0: Well, you see that that's, that's part of what, what I mean by, being smarter than everybody else. I, I swear I could tell you as a fact. I mean, I can't tell you how many times the show would be over. You know, I, you know, I traveled with Vince a lot. So a lot of times we were the last ones to leave the building. Okay. So by the time we got to the hotel, you know, on my way to the elevator, I'm passing the bar. Okay. I would look in the bar, and they would all be in there. And like I knew in my mind, there's nothing but trouble in there. Like nothing good is ever going to come out of that. So I literally would walk right past the bar, get in the elevator, go to my room, call my wife, and watch tv because i was smart enough to know not nothing good is ever going to come out of that lifestyle
1: wow that's incredible do you think because you weren't partaking in the lifestyle they thought you were quite arrogant because maybe you think oh you don't want to hang out with a talent uh because you but from you you were like i don't want to be around people just using drugs all the time right because it's not my vibe and that's okay it's uh, we do you know people who don't do drugs are scrutinized. It's like you're a weirdo, you don't do drugs, you're not the cool one, you know?
0: Yeah, I I, I gotta tell you, you see, this this is this is very important too. And like I said, man, I, I was so lucky that I started in my early 30s because I really had a sense of the world and I really had an understanding of people. When I started that job. Okay I understood immediately these are not your friends the wrestlers are not your friends and and I I I understood immediately in the position I was in they all were trying to get something from me I was the head writer of the show so if they could befriend me then they were going to you know work their way on to the show and i didn't work that way you know i had a you know i had a roster of names that jim ross would give to me and my job was to help get everybody over there are no friends in wrestling in, in wrestling everybody uses everybody else so what, one of my rules from day 1 was These are not your friends. This is a business. You work with these people, but there are no friendships. And that's why there was no bars. There was no hanging out. There was no personal time. When I went to work, man, I went to work. But, you know, a lot of people get caught up in that, you know, working with the boys and they, they really think that they're your friends and your, and no, man, they're, they're all looking for something and you've got to be smart enough to figure that out. And, and, and that's why, like, you know, th- there are some people in the business that, you know, hate me for that reason, because, you know, Vince Russo was the head writer and they should have been a top guy. Well, ev- everybody thinks they should be a top guy, but guess what? They can only be one top guy. So, you know, I- I'm using all the information I'm getting, especially ratings, a uh, response from the fans, and I'm really letting the fans and the ratings dictate who's on the show. But, you know, th- th- there is still heat to this day. You know, this one felt I didn't push them right or that one – I followed the ratings, man, because that that was the only real number that we had. So if you were drawing and people were watching you, you were going to be on TV. It's that simple.
1: Where do you think you got this uh, discipline from? Because it seems that you're very disciplined, especially if you're with the biggest rock stars, because they are technically like rock stars and they party like rock stars. You have to be so disciplined to not indulge in that? Where do you think your discipline came from? Cause I think anyone given the opportunity to party with the likes of any of them would not say no.
0: I, I think, man, I, I really believe this with all my heart and soul. Like we, we, we are all victims of our environment. It was my upbringing, you know, it was just the way I was raised, you know, just kind of knowing right from wrong. Um, you know, you know, like I said, man, being married at a young age had a lot to do with it, too, because I took on a lot of responsibility very early. um and uh, yeah, because i I saw a lot of people fall into that trap, a lot of people. And once you fall into that trap, man, you you're 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 headed for disaster man.
1: Do you think also your upbringing in New York? Cause then it was not like you're, you know, you were brought yeah. around like in the jungle, basically. Cause yes. you see drug users, you see everything in New York. So from an early, early age, you're already exposed to this. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, Absolutely. this, okay. I don't want to become a, a crackhead fully. Yeah.
0: You, you, you are so dead on because in New York, it's you know you know every man for himself it, it's a rat race man it, it's everybody against everybody else so you you are very smart to other people and you're very smart to your surroundings and your circumstances absolutely 1000% yeah it's like uh, street street uh street, uh, street uh,
1: what's it called like street smart street, right? street Back- smart
0: it's absolutely right yep mhm
1: so, um, regards co- cocaine, gives you a f- false confidence, right? In the attitude, era, some of the greatest moments in pro wrestling, if you took away the drugs, do you think it would be like, even with music, right? Some of the greatest songs, some of the greatest artists were on drugs for that confidence. If you took away the drugs, would it have the same effect? Would they be as confident and great on the mic? You know the the you wrestlers.
0: Know, I got to tell you something. I, I think it would be because I, I'll be honest with you. In, in all the years and all the companies I worked for, there were only man a handful of a, a handful of times where drugs. And a problem with a wrestler really came into play. And, and I'll be honest, man, the drugs were prescription medication. It, it, it wasn't guys coming to work coked out of their minds. It was guys coming to work addicted to painkillers, you know, Vicodin, uh, you know, all that stuff. And, and And it happened about, man, I'd say maybe three or four times with some people I dealt with. The one thing about the the wrestler is they really are blue-collar guys and gals. Because the fact of the matter is a lot of them never went to college. A lot of them were athletes in high school. So they were really like blue-collar, hard-working people. And I, and I got to tell you, man, they really took great pride in what they did. There was always a sense of them really wanting to be the best that they could be. I, and, and I really feel that, that that still carries on today. The only difference today is they're getting shit creative. The, the creative is the absolute shits. But when the performer is going out there, that performer is trying their best.
1: So when you were right of a WWF and WCW, why do you think there was a lack of women interested in pro wrestling and opportunities as well?
0: I, I, I got to tell you something, and, and I've said this, um, when I was in wrestling, I never dealt with racism. You know, you'll hear, you know, the WCW lawsuit and you'll hear stuff like that. I never dealt with racism. From my point of view, it was non-existent. But I'll tell you what was very, very um, noticeable while I worked there. Sexism was through the roof. (laughs) I I mean, there's no question about it, man. Women were second-rate citizens. Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, they had to work twice as hard. They got paid nowhere near what the men got paid. The 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 men would get very, very upset if, you know, some of the women were starting to get over and take their TV time. It was a very, very sexist business when I was in it. And, you know, I, I was a big advocate. For the women, a big, and that's why, because I really felt like they were fighting for their lives. I, I really felt that. And and I, I worked with so many talented women. And like I said, with me as the head writer, when when I'm a student of these ratings, I don't care if you're a man, a woman, black, white, Japanese, Puerto Rican. If you're drawing a number, you are going to be on TV. It, it's that, that, that was my job. My job was to get as many people to watch this show as possible. So if Sable is drawing huge numbers, Sable's going to be on TV whether you like it or not. But it was extremely, extremely sexist. And and you know what regardless of what they say about the women's revolution that that was all a publicity stunt for Stephanie McMahon that was all about Stephanie McMahon I guarantee you it's the same exact way today
1: Who do you think are some women who paved the way for what wrestling is today when you were in the business and you were at WCW and WWF, who, like from the top of your head, if you had to mention one, I, woman-
0: I would have to say from the top of my head, because I don't even think people realize this, but you know, back in 94, you know, I worked with Medusa and, and, and I had a very, very, very close tight relation. And she was like the only woman in the company. And I don't think people realize there wasn't even a woman's title back then. So you had one woman, like, fighting and clawing for every single second. So I would say without a shadow of a doubt, like, she's always the first one I think about.
1: When people talk about women in wrestling, China is like a household name that is always mentioned first. You don't really hear... I mean, I've heard Medusa, but mainly people say China is the one who opened the door for other women in wrestling. How do you feel about that? Yeah,
0: I, I got to tell. I was very close to Joni, and everybody knows I love her with all my heart and soul. But it was very different because Medusa, to this day, Medusa, she, she will speak up and she will even speak up knowing she's going to get herself. In trouble. She's very, very outspoken. When I was working early on with China, she never said a word. Triple H did all her talking. And as a matter of fact, like when when it was creative, I would have to talk to Triple H about what China was going to do. She would literally sit there. And you got to keep in mind, this goes back to her training. So she was trained by Killa Kowalski, and I'm sure you know she understood w- women have a certain spot, and you know you got to keep your mouth shut. And very, very early on, Triple H did all her talking, um, even when it concerned her character, and I think that was such a huge part of her heartbreak. Triple H took care of her, you know, always spoke up for her. Like I said, when, when, when I was pitching China's creative, I was, they were both standing there, but he was saying whether he liked it or not. So all of a sudden when he runs off with Stephanie, you know, now she lost, you know, a a best friend, a fiance, her mentor in the business, I mean, now all of a sudden, she found herself in no man's land with any of this stuff. And and quite frankly, because of the type of person she was, she didn't handle it very well. And obviously that led to the downward spiral. But um, they were both two very different women.
1: Who's death do you, whose death in pro wrestling do you think has affected you the most? Uh, definitely, What's
0: definitely hers. De- really? de- the wrestling business killed China. Period. End of story. I knew I knew China her first day on the job. And I, you know, obviously remain friendly with her after all this, you know, stuff. The wrestling business killed her. Period. End of story. And he, he here's the saddest thing to me. This is what I can't stand about the wrestling business, man. And this is where I get a lot of heat because I'm not going to put this shit over. Literally days before she died, days, she called the WWE office, okay? Nobody would take her call. Nobody. And I firmly believe in my heart of hearts, if they would have taken that call, and acknowledged her, and at least spoke to her. She may still be alive today, but I really feel in those last days when she was absolutely ignored, like she was nobody and nothing, I, I really feel that that led to the final uh, you know, overdose. And, and I'll be honest with you, I will never forgive them for that because we're talking about returning a phone call. Th- that's all we're talking about here. And don't tell me that you're, you're, you're mightier than thou. that, you know, a, a human being who is really, really struggling, you can't return a phone call. I I, I will never forgive them for that.
1: No, I I agree with what you're saying. So in your days in WCW and WWF, did you ever think that women would be main eventing WrestleMania and pay-per-views? Did you ever see it happening to what it is today?
0: I I saw it happening as a publicity stunt. Mm-hmm. I never saw it genuinely happening, not not genuinely because they Earned it and because they deserved it. There, there, there was going to be something more behind it. And like I said, you know, anybody can go back and look at where it was and where it is now. That was all the positioning of Stephanie McMahon. That that's what all of that was about. Uh it, it really wasn't about putting over the fact of how hard they work to earn it on their own. Um, and they did. I mean, there's no question in my mind. I take nothing away for, from them. But the reason why it was pushed the way it was, in my opinion, was for all the wrong reasons.
1: No, I know she has been credited so much for kicking down the door and uh, fighting for women equality in pro wrestling when she got her job, you know. Yeah. So, um, Bagwell actually sent me a question for you and he says, you told us, um, when you got hired that you would never appear on TV. Why did that change?
0: That's a great question. I never wanted to appear on TV and I swear to you, I hated it. I hated it. See, people don't freaking know. Oh, you put the belt on you. I hated being on TV. And you know why I hated being on TV? I'll be honest with you. Because as the head writer and producer, I wanted to write and produce the best show I possibly could. When I was also a talent on the show, I couldn't do that. I I, I was spreading myself way too thin. I hated being on the show. But the reality of the situation is they were putting such pressure on me for ratings, okay? Okay. In wrestling, ratings don't happen overnight. Ratings happen over years. You have to consistently, every single week, put on a good show. It takes years to build your ratings. They wanted ratings next week. And they just pushed me to the point where I basically said, F it. You, you know what? You want ratings, fine. I'll go out there and do it myself. That's like a New York thing. Like, go F yourself. You okay, fine. You want ratings? I'll go out there and, and I'll do it myself. That was really the attitude I had because they pushed me so far. Uh I I hated it. I I I didn't enjoy it. Um, you know, when when I went to WCW, if if you notice. I had an on-air, I mean, when I went to TNA, I had an on-air character early on because we were just trying to establish the brand. Years later, I was never on, you know, TV at TNA. I I could have been on TV every week if I wanted. I was writing The Dawn Show. I, I didn't want to be. I didn't enjoy it. But like I said, man, they, they they pushed me so hard that I said, you know what, I'll just go out there and do it myself. And it was probably uh, the wrong decision to make without a shadow of a doubt. So that, that's how it happened.
1: You're good on the mic, though. Were you ever like nervous, obviously, because you were in like in the back, you were never the, like out on the, on the street. I was going to say on the streets, but in the ring, um, on the mic, it's a completely different Seem right, you have to be confident in order to speak to anyone in public. So, how did you overcome the nerves to like go from being a writer to now actually speaking in front of people?
0: That that's a great question. And it was really easy because I knew what everybody really thinks a New Yorker is. I, I, I know what people think people from New York are. So so my attitude was okay. You you want me to be who you think a New Yorker is? I will be that guy a thousand times over. And I swear to you, to this day, there's a good number of people that hate my guts because they believe I'm that guy. Mm -hmm. And and my attitude was, you want to hate New Yorkers? Fine. I'm going to really give you a reason to hate new yorkers so i i took the personality of a stereotypical new yorker and i just blew it up 1000 percent
2: yo sophia i'm stuck on the side of the road and i really need your help right now
1: oh my god what's wrong
2: Do you know where I can start a podcast? Like, I don't even know where to begin.
1: Yes, Anchor.
2: Anchor? What the heck is Anchor?
1: Anchor is an app that easily allows you to create and publish episodes for free, no money or equipment required.
2: Wait, wait, wait. So you mean to tell me that I can record my podcast even on my phone, and have it uploaded on the same day
1: yes from your phone anywhere in the world
2: oh okay all right well i'm gonna go download it right now then
1: Send me later and i hope you get your car fixed
2: my car i'm not worried about that thing
1: is there tribalism in wrestling like if you're from new york uh, or like, if you're from Canada, because obviously they have a, yeah. a lot of incredible wrestlers. Is there like, you know, like even with music, like rappers? If you're from New York, you're from New York. You can't really associate from with LA rappers. Is that this? Is it similar in a uh, wrestling?
0: One thousand percent. And I could tell you, man, the the New York guys were always hated. And I'll tell you what. And when I talk about the New York guys, me, Bubba, Taz. The New York guys are always hate it, and I'll tell you why. When you're a New Yorker, you speak the truth. There's no bullshit. There's no politics. There's no backstabbing. You have something to say to somebody. You're going to say it directly to them whether you're right or you're wrong, and whether they like it or not. That's how New Yorkers are. We put everything out there in the open. There's no family secrets. You put everything out there in the open. That don't work in wrestling. And the reason why it doesn't is because wrestling is filled with politicians. And what do politicians do? They lie they cheat, they backstab, they do whatever they have to do to get ahead. So when you have a New Yorker who is gonna call them on their bullshit, you're gonna have a huge problem and and that's that's how New Yorkers were. you know dreamer uh you know was was that way to some extent. That's how we are, and that doesn't fly in the wrestling business. Bubba Ray is a bully, whatever you want to call him, is one of the greatest minds in the business. Why do you think he's not in the business? That's why he's not in the business. They can't deal with honesty and truth, man. They they can't deal with it.
1: Um, is it is there, I'm okay from your, This is probably like uh, you know uh, a question in order to move horizontal. Do you have to move vertical, like in entertainment? So like in Hollywood, like women have to sleep for jobs. Is it the same in pro wrestling, would you say, uh, or not? (sighs) Maybe during WCW and WWF.
0: It's a lot easier if you do. Okay. Okay, obviously I didn't. (laughs) You know, obviously like I was an exception to the rule. So I can't sit here and say, no, you got to do it to get ahead because I, I did none of it, but 90% of them did. So Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a lot easier to play the game. If you don't play the game, it's going to be very, very difficult to navigate through the water.
1: Yeah, no, I, I understand that. It's like in order to move horizontal, you've got to move vertical. If you won't do it, there's 100 women who will. So exactly. it doesn't really matter.
0: Absolutely. Exactly. Yes.
1: So I have some questions for you from people. Um, so John says, what is a gimmick in WCW's heyday that came across your desk that ma- made you say absolutely no, that's the line I don't cross?
0: God, um, man, you know, God, back back then there wasn't much we wouldn't do, you know, we, we, we did a lot of, uh, we, we took a lot of chances. Um, man, I, I, I really, I really can't think of anything to be honest with you. I mean, pretty much like, you know, as the head writer, I pretty much did what I wanted to do. You know, sometimes you know, in WCW with standards and practices, like some things had to be tweaked. But there was nothing that there was never a time where I really, really wanted to do something where we weren't able to do it, or where I thought of something and was like, no way, we can't do that. Cause you limit yourself. You know, you yeah. know what I'm saying? You start putting yourself in a box. Like you you could do anything. It's a television show and it's wrestling. You can do anything. So when you start with that, we can't do this, and we can't do that, and we can't do that. You really start putting yourself in a box, and man, that really starts to stifle creativity.
1: So um, let's go back to the old Vans. Who I, I assume that uh, wrestling was only available in North America at the time, right? It wasn't like in 150 countries no, to no. what it is now. Did you ever see that on the roadmap? Because you know, it was not. It wasn't independent. It was. It was mainstream, but it wasn't international, right? Right. Um. And and uh, so, did you ever see it on the roadmap that this is going to become a phenomena, and people who don't even understand English are going to watch it in India and in the Middle East and and all over the world in Indonesia and different parts of the world?
0: Yeah, I, I did because that that's just business. You, you see how it how it how it really used to start is. This is how it started and 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 UK had a lot to do with it. Early on in the business, you know they they would run the states. But then what would happen would be the states would 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 kind of dry up a little bit. And now if you were going to the same town like maybe four, six times a year, now you weren't drawing as much as you used to. So every time that used to happen, every time the numbers would be down in the States, what would they do? They would start touring UK. That's what they would do. So they'd go to UK, it's fresh again. We haven't been here in a while and they would do great business. Well, once they realized there's a hundred other countries out there we could do the same exact thing with. That's just good, good business, man. And you know, the, the one thing the WWE is good at, and I'll never take this away from them. I think their creative is pathetic. I mean, it, it's written for three-year-olds. I, when I watch that show, it makes me feel stupid. I, I seriously, but when it comes to business, they know how to do business so that that stuff never surprises me they know how to make money
1: did you ever go to any independent shows um even like in new york they probably have their own small indie scene uh to get inspiration as a writer did you ever go and check out what's going on in the underground
0: no not really because the you know i i always looked at it like it was we were a television show yeah so w- what i did get inspiration from was other television shows like what were they doing on other television shows what were some interesting characters what were some storylines i was really more motivated by you know tv and movies and character than i ever was with what was going on in the wrestling scene and, that, and that's where a lot of people disagree with me as well but you you gotta think beyond wrestling you're on television you're competing with other television shows you gotta think beyond wrestling
1: i think that's one thing that the fans don't understand is that it's a tv show and you're competing with other tv shows
0: absolutely exactly so you you've got to know what's going on on those other tv shows absolutely
1: If you could pick one modern day talent to have been in the Attitude Era, who would it be and how would you book them?
0: God, see, see, I I always, you know, it's funny, man. I always get asked a lot now, like how I would book this and how I would book that. I got to tell you, man, like I've turned that switch off. Like, you know, when I was getting paid to do that, that was my job. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think about like how I would book people. I, I would tell you this, man, if, if there were, if there was one guy that I really wished I could have worked with, what comes to mind to me is I, 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 I really wish I would have got to work with John Cena. I never met John Cena in my life. I think John Cena is a great talent. I would have loved to work with him. But to me, the absolute dream would have been, you know, in the Attitude Era or at at anywhere was to work with Bray Wyatt. Mm. This guy, how they failed this guy miserably. It's almost like you had to try because this this is a can't miss guy. I'm telling you, I, I said this about Bray Wyatt all the time. I hope. That Bray's plans are to forget about re- wrestling is beneath him. Forget about wrestling and get an agent. I know we just did a movie in, in in Hollywood. This is this this guy could legitimately be the next Freddy Krueger, the next Jason, the next Michael Myers. He has such a brilliant mind. the The level of intelligence. That he was dealing with the WWE was so below his. And what was happening was, you, you got when you're dealing with a talent, either one or two things are going to happen. Either you're going to keep raising the bar with them creatively, or either you're going to pull them down. And when you don't have good writers. You're going to pull them down. And that's what they did with him. I, I, I wish to God I would have got to work with this guy.
1: Do you think there's a place for an all women's promotion in the mainstream? Because there are a few. I know the woman who owns the Lakers has her own promotion and Thunder Rossa has her own promotion. But like on mainstream, like on Fox or whatever channel it is, right? Do you think that there's a place for just a women's promotion out there? I absolutely
0: do. Listen, I was a huge fan of glow. You know, you know what glow is? I was, I love that show. I absolutely love that show. When I was at TNA, man, we talked about an all women show for years. We talked about that absolutely positively. But, but again, the same thing you need good characters and you need good stories, whether they're male or female that is what's going to drive a television show. So there's no doubt in my mind that you could have a successful all-women show.
1: There's been a brief moment where we've had a male versus woman here and there. Why did, did that not really stick? Did the crowd not really were they not drawn towards that? Is that why it's kind of not a thing anymore? No, right? It's it's,
0: it's got to be believable. Yeah, you, you right. know what I'm saying. I mean, if you have a believable situation, it'll work. But if you put a male and a female in the ring, and and you, you get the visual, and it looks like this guy should kill this woman, it's not going to work. If you've got the right combination, because let me tell you something, this is an absolute shoot. I worked with so many women that I know could have kicked my ass like that. And I, I love those women the best. I, I love, I love tough women like Jackie. She could have kicked half the guy's ass, you know, as a shoot, you know, I, I love, you know, you know, Tara, you know, was said uh, Victoria was such a tough, there were so many really tough women in the Luna for crying out loud. So if you've got the right combination that'll work but you got to have the right combination you got to have the right story but if it's if it if it looks like a blatant mismatch it won't work
1: yeah no i agree i think even luna apart like a lot of us who got familiar with her from dark side of the ring because she wasn't uh, she wasn't really showcased as a wrestler more like a manager with dust you know um which is unfortunate and then I think maybe that's another person that a business killed.
0: Yeah. And Luna, Luna was, see that, that's the thing too. Like Luna had a temper. So like Luna had that kind of temper. Like if, if this were told properly, she had that kind of temper that like, even if she was in there with a guy that was twice her size with her temper, she would make you believe, like I will rake this guy's eyes. Like she, you, you would believe that. So it, it just it it really depended on the performer and the story and the situation that you put them in. But she was one tough lady, man, without a shadow of a doubt.
1: Is there a topic that you sh- that you feel should have been covered on Dark Side of the Ring that they haven't covered?
0: I, I, I listen. I, I was not a fan of that and, and uh, I know there's not going to be another season. I would never do that show again because they had an agenda. Uh, they were trying to create their own controversy. And I get that it's television. You want ratings, you want people to watch, but you know, they, they, um, they wanted me to do an episode on the brawl for all. I had no problem doing that episode because like there were no, secrets and no controversy or anything. I mean, the idea of the brawl for all was, okay, bro, this is a, this is a tough man's uh, business. Who would win if this were real? I I mean, that was the con. There's no, uh, you know, there's no controversy there and no conspiracy or nothing like that. And you know, they, they took that story and all of a sudden I'm watching Jim Cornette versus Vince Russo, like, really, bro? Like that? That's what? If they would have told me that from the start, I would have said, you know what, bro, you you do that on your own. I've got no interest in. But they they told me, you know, we're going to do a brawl for. I'm like, okay, no no problem. I'll I'll be happy to talk about that. So so, I wasn't a big fan of that show, and, and I'll be honest with you, man. The only episode of that show I watched was the plane ride from hell like that that was the only show of that entire series that i watched
1: how do you feel about the internet and media like painting you and your former colleagues as enemies and now like you hate each other jim corner is an example right i think the internet also escalates Uh, it to make it seem like it's like You know, uh, much bigger than it than it really is. Um, How do you feel about that? Because these a lot of these people are your former colleagues, right? I I, Uh, I can't,
0: I can't stand it. Listen, you know, listen. You, you and I, um, you know, to some extent, we make a living doing this. Okay. I, I am in such a tough position, and I'll tell you why. If I did not have russosbrand.com, if I was not, I do this for a living. This is what I do. I don't do anything else. If I didn't have this, I would not be on the internet at all, ever. I wouldn't be on Twitch, YouTube, nothing. Everything I do and why I'm on all these social media outlets is because I've got to promote my brand. That's what I've got to do. And and you know, you got to promote it nonstop. You can't take a day off. You've got to promote nonstop. So I've got to use the internet to do that. But every time I go on there, it is so, so toxic and i am so sick of so-and-so shoots on so-and-so and and this one shoots on that one and 58 people shoot on the ultimate warrior i can't stand it. it 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 makes our business look so childish and so unprofessional and so carny and and guys fall into the trap because it's what the dirt sheet wants. You know, the dirt sheets want to paint Vince Russo a certain way. So, okay, you're going to pay me for an interview. I'll paint Vince Russo whatever way you want me to pay him. Like, that's the way it works. I can't stand it. That That's why, you know, I've I i I've got a retirement age in mind. And when when I do... I am yanking that plug out of the socket and nobody will ever hear from me again. It will literally be like I just disappeared off the face of the earth. And like like I say man, if I didn't need this to promote, it it would not be a part of my life.
1: Um as outside of being a riser, you also were on for a brief moment in front of the camera. And uh, your moments, even though brief, have still stuck around today. I want to probably, you know, some may beg to differ, like some of the greatest moments in pro wrestling. And so, you know, even 100 years from now, people are still going to be talking about you. Why do you think that you personally have had such an impact on pro wrestling?
0: I'll, I'll tell you why. And it's totally what's missing today. And maybe it goes back to my New York roots. I'm real. I'm real. You know, wrestling has become so make-believe. It's silly and it's stupid, okay? The, The success of the Attitude Era was the reality of it. People were actually acting and talking like people, not like wrestlers, And I was very real. I never wrote down a promo for myself. I never knew what I was going to say. I was always in the moment. And I was always very, very real. And people can relate to that. There is nobody. Casual fans have turned off professional wrestling in 2022 because they can't relate to it. People in real life don't act like that. Don't say the things that those people are saying, and they can't relate to it. So my my style, and again, my style of television, 1,000% reality-based. Give me one little seed of reality, and I will blow that up into months and months of TV that you will actually believe is real.
1: Would you ever write a book? I don't know if that's in your... What's that, a book? Yeah.
0: I've written two books.
1: Okay, The Secrets. (laughs) No, I mean like The Secrets that no one knows. I'm sure you know. Or do you think that there's like an unspoken oath that you kind of sign when you get into this business? Like, you know, whatever you see uh you, when you leave here cuz i'm yeah. sure there's so much things that even though that you you have not told a soul and they're just going to be buried with the people that were there in that moment
0: the, the, listen there, there's no oath because wrestlers will do anything for money period end of story there is no oath i just have no interest in doing that i mean i i just i i listen i'll i'll tell you stories i'll tell you about my life i'll tell you the truth I just got zero interest in dragging people through the mud and hurting families and children. And I, I just have zero, zero interest in doing that.
1: Darkwing says, I want to know who it, who was your favorite wrestler to work with in WWF, WCW and TNA.
0: That's a, that's a great question. I would say WWF was probably, um, I would say Dustin Rhodes because I I loved working with the Goldust character, man. We 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 were, we were so creative, man, and and it was it was such a joy. So I would say him. I would say at WCW, I was probably closest with uh, Jeff Jarrett because we really really had a history. So I would say working with Jeff, and I would say my favorite person of all time. Without a shadow of a doubt, to work with who I got to work with at TNA was uh, Kurt Angle, man. I, I loved working with Kurt Angle. He was the most professional guy that I ever worked with. I, I would say Sting was probably a close second, but I, I loved working with Kurt, man.
1: And another question from Darkwing it says why did you hate Judy Bagwell so much she was always on a pole or a forklift
0: First of all Judy Bagwell was on no poles okay she was on a forklift one time and and again man that's just entertaining television you 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 we, you're either going to get the joke and laugh Or you're going to hate Vince Russo for the next 20 years because of it. Like pick your poison, man.
1: Yeah. Um, So the next question is, do you think that sting is one of the, the greatest wrestlers of all time? Well,
0: well, well, to me more important than that is he's one of the greatest people of all time. Uh, You know, I mean, he he's, I, I, I love the man. I, I love Steve Borden You know, when when I became a Christian like 20 years ago, like Steve was right there for me. He played a very, very, very big part of my life. So I I don't look at him as being one of the greatest wrestlers. I look at him as being one of the greatest human beings of all time.
1: Okay, so you just mentioned that you became a a Christian. So did you grow up with no spiritual belief, like in your? No, household? I
0: I grew up Catholic, man. I I grew up Catholic, and it it, it went right over my head. So you know, are you from,
1: Italian descent?
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So my whole life, I believed in God. There's no question about that, but He was not the center of my life. That that didn't happen until, man, like 20 years ago.
1: So do you go to church now um, on Sundays?
0: I, I I don't go to church because I don't consider myself that kind of Christian. Like w- when, when I go to church, when I find the right church and the right pastor, I really got to be fed. Um, if I don't find the right pastor and the right church, I don't go to church just for the sake of going to church, I've got to really be fed. So like I'm I'm always looking for that right connection, which really isn't e- easy to find. I lived in Atlanta for many years when I was at WCW and I had it there, but man, since since I left, I haven't really been able to find the right fit for me.
1: Okay, so are you in New York at the moment? No, I'm in Colorado. Oh, oh right. Yeah, obviously. No, yes. I was going to say, like, you're Ita- So, like, um, do you speak Italian?
0: No, no. My my my, my grandparents did, you know, okay. all the time. I, I can say certain things, but I can't speak fluent Italian, no.
1: So your parents spoke in English to you?
0: Yes, yes.
1: So are you familiar with your Italian culture?
0: You know, I swear to God, I so badly want to do that ancestry thing. Have you ever, have you done that?
1: I, I have not. I thought about doing it too.
0: Yeah. I, I'm going to wind up doing it. I'll be honest with you. I haven't done it yet because I'm cheap and I don't want to spend the money. So, I, but, so
1: as far as you're concerned, both your parents are Italian. I, I'm just asking, I don't know what your, your roots are, right? Oh yeah.
0: I've got 100% Italian roots. One, okay. 100% across the board, but I would really love to dig deeper in that and and find out the history and i'm sure one day i will
1: so you don't see yourself going to an italian community church you know like a cat because catholicism has strong ties to italy right yeah so like absolutely italian church you know on a sunday and you could be around italian people and you know well,
0: listen you definitely have that uh atmosphere in new york there's a lot of italians in new york not not so much in colorado but i do miss that camaraderie i mean there's no question about that i do miss that
1: okay so the last question um says why why ride the nwo for so long in the dirt when it was clear it failed in 1999
0: well, I I, I mean, I, I would have to disagree with that because when we went to WCW in uh, 99, it, it was a whole different NWO with a whole different story. No doubt they drove that into the ground before we got there. I mean, absolutely, 100%. I think that's part of what really hurt WCW. So we had plans to form it in a much different way. But we never really got to see that through the way we wanted to because, man, we suffered so many injuries, man. So many people got hurt at once, Goldberg, uh, Brett, and it, and it really, really made us alter our plans. So, so nobody ever really got to see what the final product would have been.
1: So with the rise of other promotions right now, and also like, you know, Japanese um, wrestling becoming really popular in the West, in the UK and in America. And uh, unfortunately the Chinese promotion just went out bankrupt last week. They announced that they've gone bankrupt. So, but a lot of international promotions are coming up. Like Germany has their own. Um, So the, the idea that, WWE will monopolize the industry is not is not apparent anymore because now other people are showing up and they're you know they're not going to get bought up because they're here to stay. How do you feel about that? Because I know I, I, at I, one I, point I, I,
0: I really just think that's that's such a niche market, man. You know the the casual fans and the masses aren't going to be into that. And and the case in point was, you know, here in the states, New Japan was on Access TV. They, they, they were on TV and the reason why they're not on TV anymore is because nobody was watching it. It, It's a very, very niche audience. I don't think you're ever going to get a mass audience to watch that because, you know, in the United States, we're used to American wrestling. Like, that's what we're used to. So when a different style or a different brand uh, you know, is all of a sudden brought over, it would be no different than a different style of baseball or football or basketball. We're, we're used to our style of wrestling. So that's why I think you're always just going to have a niche market when it comes to other countries and other styles of wrestling.
1: Um last question for me is how do you feel about the internet wrestling community wars so WWE fans are currently in battle with independent fans and AEW fans and you know impact wrestling fans and New Japan fans right there is a huge war especially on Twitter um And these people are just like very. It's like in in the eighties in England, there was foot, like if you liked Liverpool and you and you somebody liked Tottenham, yeah, they wanted to kill you basically. And you're getting that same kind of culture in pro wrestling right now. Or has it always been like that? In your opinion,
0: I don't think it's always been like that. And I I, I think I think it's a joke, man. For for, for anybody to sit there and say. Everything WWE does is right. Everything WWE does is perfect. They do no wrong. Everything AEW does is right. You're a liar. That's impossible. For anybody to get anything right 100% of the time is is not realistic. Okay? Even if you're an AEW fan, man, you've got to say when they shit the bed, Listen, I am a big baseball fan, okay? I I have been a fan of the uh, San Francisco Giants since like 1968 because my father was a New York Giant fan, okay? I watch every Giant game. When the Giants play like shit, I cut a promo, you guys played like shit. You guys were absolutely horrible. I cut a promo. I'm still a fan of the team. I still bleed black and uh, orange. But when they suck, I say they suck. These wrestling fans, WWE can do no harm, especially AEW. They can come on, man. Give me a break. Nothing in the world, nothing is great one hundred percent of the time, and people that believe that the the sad thing is, you you're never gonna win an argument. You're never gonna have a discussion with the with those people. You're never gonna be able to be rational with each other because if you're always right, then there's no conversation, and mm-hmm. and and that's the that's the downside of it that you can't even have rational conversations and say well w- w- was was this really good like if we break this down and we look at it do you it, it's really a shame that you can't even have those conversations that's why a lot of times rule of thumb when i'm on social media i, I won't say anything about wrestling because no matter what you say You are just opening up that Pandora's box of a a thousand lunatics coming at you for a simple comment that you made. That's why for me, it's promotion. What I'm doing, I'm not going to discuss wrestling on there.
1: Do you think that has to do with American culture, though? Um, Because if you say something. I'm not American and I don't want you to get offended as an American, right? If you say something to an American that criticizes America, they'll say, oh, well, look at Iran or look at Russia. So it's like if you say something to a WWE fan, they'll say, oh, well, we're not the only one who does that. Well, that person does this, you know, and I think I think it actually could be like the culture of of America as opposed to just wrestling.
0: I'll be honest with you. It's not the culture of America. It's the generation. Because okay. it's, it's never been like this before. I'm telling you, I, 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 I promise you, it has never been like this before, where if somebody disagrees with you, oh, my God, n- no conversation, nothing. You are the enemy. It hasn't always been like this. So to me, no doubt, it's, it's definitely generational.
1: Okay, well, Vince, it's been an honor to speak to you. I try to focus more on you than wrestling. I'm sure you hear the com- uh, the questions, the same questions, so much, and it must get like irritating, like answering the same fucking shit all the time. So well, I try well, to. Focus well, on-
0: well, what really gets more irritating than that, what, what, what's more irritating to that, like you could ask me whatever you want and you could ask me like a million times, but what's more irritating is. When I answer, and you don't believe me, yeah, like you know, at this point in my life, why would I lie about anything, especially having to do with wrestling? Like, mm-hmm. like, give me. I am so past that, and so beyond that. And you know that that that's the part that is like, don't ask me if you're not going to believe what I say anyway. You know, don't don't, don't e- believe what you want. Don't ask me whatever is your truth is your truth you know
1: Do you think I think the, the biggest problem for you is people um, are finding it very hard to separate the guy who was in front of the camera right. to you as a person they are convinced that is you and they are not taking any any other answer like you know they're no but
0: they, but they want to believe that I, I mean they want to believe that that's what they want to believe that's what that's why I told you you know you know you know being from New York, people are going to think about you a certain way. There's no doubt about that.
1: I think that was also quite smart of you to play up on the fact that you are from New York and there is like a like a biased opinion on people from New York.
0: Right, absolutely.
1: I actually have one more question because he's begging and he's in chat. So I'm waiting for him to type. Um, I hope you don't mind. No, I'm, um, good, so I'm dark, good. Darkwing, what are your questions? Um, do you miss living in New York? I the,
0: the, uh I love Colorado. I I I love the mountains. I I love it. I feel I feel at peace with the mountains. I love being here. I'll tell you what I really miss about New York more than anything. I miss the sports scene. You know, like you know when when it, when it's hockey season, you know, everything's about the Rangers and the Islanders. Then when it's baseball, it's the Yankees and the Mets. I I really miss the sports scene. Um, but as far as the place, because I'm older, uh just the tranquility of the mountains and the peace and the you know there's there's more of a like a hippie vibe in colorado i I really, really love living here now at this point in my life
1: um I just wanna say that so you say bro a lot most like when you speak right but here today in the in the hour over an hour that you've been here you've only said it once and really? people, you've only said it once honestly and so someone said to me uh vince could he not say bro do you think he could go one month without saying no the word? No. Heck
0: no i i i think i i've only said it once here because you're a woman yeah i, I really think but i swear you know dixie carter she used to yell at me all the time because I would call her bro. I I would refer to Dixie as bro. And every time I did, she would call me on it. But I think, yeah, because you're a, you're a female, you know, it's, I'm, I'm not talking to a bro. I'm talking to a woman.
1: No, I understand that. But you're conscious of saying it because a lot of people think it comes naturally to you. Like you just say it's like part of your DNA. It, it is.
0: I mean, it is. I like. I mean, I call. I call like when when I'm having a personal conversation on the phone with my kids, I'll call my son's bro like all the time. It, it 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 it's it's a really bad habit. It's from wrestling. I mean, there's no question. I I didn't bro anybody before wrestling. It 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 came from wrestling, and it it it's a bad habit. I swear I don't do it on purpose. It just it just comes. And I also think too. I think it comes a lot when I I get mad and I get upset. And and in this interview, you you it was a different type of interview. It there, there a lot of people will interview me and there'll be trigger points. And they'll know. And as soon as I hear that trigger point, there's a part of me that gets pissed off. And I think bro tends to come out more than. The fact that you didn't go there too probably had something to do with it.
1: Okay, so one question is: What is your favorite botch of all time?
2: Wow. Well,
0: I, it wasn't. Ins- I, I don't think it was so much a botch. It was. It was done on purpose. Uh, my, my, my favorite one of all time was, uh, Shawn Michaels, just way overselling for Hulk Hogan. And, and that, that wasn't a botch that was done by design, but, uh, that, that will always be my most favorite one. Cause it's so entertaining.
1: The last question is, do you think AW has a future in wrestling with all the flippy shit that is criticized?
0: Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I think they do bro, because they're run by a millionaire. I I mean, it just it it seems like there's no end to uh, the con money. And I mean, you know, I almost said bro there. I I was going to (laughs) say, if you have that kind of money, it it can go on as long as you want it to go on. If it doesn't, if your business doesn't depend on whether you make money or not, it, it can
1: go on forever. Mm. Have you heard Freddie Prince Jr. is talking about starting his own promotion?
0: Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I don't know why. When you look at the numbers of how many people used to watch wrestling and how many people watch wrestling today, I just don't think it's a good business decision. I, I, I would never in 2022 open a wrestling promotion. I, I would look at the numbers. And I just don't think it is a good uh, business decision. And obviously, you know, he's a big wrestling fan and that's why he wants to do it. And I'm sure Freddie Prince has some money too. So if he's got some money, he could throw at this project. But I, I, I look at everything from a business point of view. I don't think it would be a wise business to start.
1: Okay. Um, this is someone's really begging me to. Is this Skyhawk? Sky it's Darkwing Duck. Darkwing he's, Duck. And he heads. says, "What do you think of MJF?" Because he's also from Long Island.
0: He's great. He, 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 he I like him a lot. He, 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 uh, he is. He is very, very dedicated to his craft. He takes it very seriously, and I'm a big fan of. His.
1: Awesome. Well, I want to say thank you so much for coming on here and having this conversation. And we got to learn more about you as a person, as opposed to just wrestling, because there is Vince Russo, the man outside of wrestling as well. A lot of people might not understand that, you know? (laughs) But yeah, it's been an honor to speak to you. I want to say thank you. And um, tell us about uh, Vince Russo, the brands, and like what you have going on this year.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate you having me. I had a lot of fun talking to you. I, and I uh I I like your interviewing style. It was a Thanks. lot of fun. Uh Darkwing Duck uh may have asked one too many questions, but that is okay. No problem. Uh yes, I uh, you know, I, I've been uh podcasting now for the last eight years. I love it. I love the freedom of it, I love the creativity of it. I just started my own channel. It's called channelattitude.com. Uh, we're gonna be putting a bunch of shows on that channel and not not just wrestling shows. I mean, I have a Batman show on there right now for crying out loud. We've been putting a lot of shows up on there, but you could also get Russo's brand.com on there. Just check it out. Channelattitude.com. Awesome.
1: And your social media is the Vince Russo, right?
0: Yes, uh, I'm usually on Twitter all the time. I don't go much on the other ones. I do have a YouTube channel, but on Twitter, I am at the Vince Russo. All
1: right, thank you so much, Vince. I hope thank you have you. a great weekend. You too. It's been an honor.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Well, that was the one, the only Vince Russo.
2: Hey yo, check it out! It's the kid. And thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Vocal Minds with Sophia. Sophia. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Google Play, Amazon Music, and now on iTunes, Right. Follow her on both Instagram and Twitter under Vocal Minds Sophia. And don't forget to tell a friend about the podcast. Matter of fact, tell all your friends about the podcast. What are you waiting for? Honestly.